So, good to see everyone. Let's get started. We are in Romans chapter 12, and we are in the last spiritual gift we've been looking at. And uh, this is a wonderful gift, gift of mercy. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful time in God's Word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, thank you for your presence here through your Spirit. Thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the worship um, and just the, the, the sensing of your Spirit. And we yield to you right now, God. We ask, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with your presence. With, would you teach us? Instruct us, lead us. Lord, I ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill me, Lord, with your, your presence and with your, give me your words, Lord, to say. As you told Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth. Lord, I am an empty vessel dependent upon you, God. Would you minister to our hearts and minds tonight, God? Would you bring healing where there's brokenness? Would you bring encouragement where there's discouragement, Lord? We yield our hearts to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 12, and we are looking at spiritual gifts, and uh, this is not a very, this is not like a full, full study of spiritual gifts. We can go, there's a lot longer we can take, but I'm deciding not to because there's other things God wants us to do. But we've been calling this series, we're technically in the book of Ephesians, but I've been calling this series, Church, Where Do I Fit In?, and sort of kind of give an idea of, okay, what have I been gifted to do in the body of Christ? And Paul mentions in Romans chapter 12 what are called the motivational gifts. There are seven of them. And these are sort of, like, sort of like how God has gifted you in your motivation to serve him. And so we've gone through uh, six of them already. Uh, if you look at Romans chapter 12 in verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly than of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sounded judgment, as God has allowed to each a measure of faith. Then he goes on from there. He says, we are one body. We have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function. So what's great about, it, about having a church, of course, you have different people doing different things. Otherwise, it would be very stressful for one person to do it all. You have people who are gifted in different areas. A healthy church needs those areas all functioning properly in the right way. And when we recognize that we all have different giftings and we all are needing those giftings, then we can move forward and we can appreciate that. It's the same thing as, as having a family. Husband cannot do it all, so he has a wife that helps him out. And thank God for his wife because he, he would be very stressed to do it all himself. And she provides things that he doesn't have. God has gifted her in a certain way. So in the body of Christ, verse 5, we who are many are one in the body of Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gift, gifts that differ according to the, gift, to the grace given to us, let each one of us exercise them accordingly. This is a review. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, your gift is prophecy, you're the one who sees things in black and white. Flat out. You recognize right and wrong, you're, you're about justice, you're just, you just have this, this, you know, this right or wrong. And you, um, and you can tell it like it is. If you're a prophet, you know. 
And sometimes God gives you revelation of a, certain, of a person or situation, and you are to speak into that. Of course, you have to be careful because if you have a prophetic gift, you can apply the scalpel before you have the anesthetic, and you can hurt somebody. So you want to be careful in going in prayer and being prayerful in that. But God uses that person to really steer somebody who's going off course gently back into the right direction, speaking the truth with love, right? If you have the gift of service, serve, in your, serve God and you're serving, and you're motivated by just helping out really in practical needs. You recognize when something has to get done and you don't have to be told to do it. You just love doing it. And you'd rather be behind the scenes doing it, and it's quietly, and you come in, and you're just like, wow, I must have elves living here because things get done, you know? And we have gift of service people here as well. We've talked about that. And that's wonderful to have because things would not get done without gift of service. And uh, with a gift of service, you have to be careful not to do it in your own strength and to do it for uh, applause or, or recognition. Your gift of teaching, serve in your teaching. Of course, that's the gift that, that, primary, that I have, is if you're a teacher, you love explaining things. God gives you insight into his truth. And sometimes, and now this is one of my, my challenges as a teacher, is sometimes I assume that everyone sees what God shows me. And, there, and it's because things that God shows me things constantly. And I'm like, well, you don't just, it's all right here. But I have to be careful. I have to recognize, no. And so what God tells me is to be able to, to explain things. And, to, and, I lo- and if you're gifted to teaching, you love studying. You love researching. You love explaining things. And you also love to have everything foundational in the Word of God. Now you're like, John, aren't we getting to the gift of mercy? Don't we have a time? Yeah, we are. <laughs> we'll get to the gift of mercy. But I just want to kind of have a running start here. There's a lot to talk about mercy. If your gift is exhortation, you love to encourage people. You love to give, coming alongside of them as we used the illustration before about having that scuba diver who has run out of, out of oxygen and you're the one that brings the extra tank and you kind of give them breath of life, so to speak. You recognize that and that's hugely, hugely needed encouragement. The one who has a gift of giving is to give with liberality and the one who gives, who has been gifted with this gift really gives, sacrific- not sac- well, gives generously but usually monetarily and usually behind the scenes. Okay, they don't want the attention, but they just love supporting ministries. They love supporting churches with their money. And God has usually given them the ability to make money to do that. You know, That's one way. Gift of leadership, we covered last week. If you have a gift of leadership, lead with diligence. And, uh, of course, you have a vision for a lot, for a lot of things. You can manage people, and, and, and you have this vision for far in the future. You know, And we talked about that last week. All right, so now we get to verse 8. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. He who shows mercy, let it be with cheerfulness. Now, what exactly is mercy? That's a good question. Glad you asked. Theologically, it means this. God's mercy is God's goodness towards those who are in misery and distress. God's mercy is his goodness towards those who are in misery and distress. I don't know about you, but distress is a very common thing. We face distress in our families, in our relationships, in our daily lives. There's constant distress. There are things that we we all bear in one place or another, and we'll get to that in a second, okay? God's mercy is his goodness 
towards those who are in misery and distress. It's interesting that when God introduced himself to Moses, he says that he was the, the Lord, the Lord God, a merciful or compassionate, is another word, merciful or compassionate God, very gracious, slow to anger and bowing loving kindness. That's the first thing God says about himself. He says, I'm merciful. I'm compassionate. person who has the gift of mercy recognizes people who are in pain. They're sensitive to those who are in pain. They're, they're sensitive to, to people's feelings. And we'll get to more descriptions a little bit uh, in a second here. God's the same way. God, of course, is the one who, who is merciful. And I love what, um, what David says in, uh, in 2 Samuel. If you want to turn there, we'll go to a couple of verses tonight. 2 Samuel, verse 24 I just want to lay a little groundwork about, because when we say God is mercy, tell you what, all of these gifts, whether it's teaching or giving or service or prophecy, all of these are really related to God. You think about Jesus, Jesus displayed each one, okay? He's an example of each one. So I want to sort of look, sort of look at the mercy of God first before we get into the characteristics of the person with the gift of mercy, just to kind of allow some groundwork. In 2 Samuel which is back in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel in chapter 24, David says, when I was in great distress, oh, let me get to the verse here, verse 14, then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us now fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. Do not let me, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. The word for distress there means to be bound or wrapped up or to be in a tight place, um, to be sort of tied up, to be constricted. When you're in distress, you feel, how many of you guys ever feel stressed out and you just feel like you're constricted? You're, okay, um, time constri- constraints. How many of you guys stress out about time constraints? Okay, come on. We have, I got two kids, I got a full-time job, I got, you know, we have church, wife, two kids, they have their stuff, I got my, and time... Time, time, okay, time constraints. Where does the time go? And sometimes, I don't know about if you're like me, come Monday morning, I get stressed out because I see what the whole week's going to look like. And sometimes Sunday night, I start thinking about, oh, I have this, this, that, and the other, right? This past week, we had a hugely busy week. Time constraints were very, very stressful, and it was wearing on us. And not only do you have time constraints, but then you have other constraints. You have issues, of course, you're faced with your day-to-day. Maybe there's relationship stuff, maybe there's parenting stuff, maybe there's job stuff, on and on, and it kind of just weighs on you, right? And there's this weight, that, that, and, you get, and it's this stress. And you don't know what to do, right? That's what David's talking about here is this, this I'm distressed, and I'm calling on the mercies of God. I'm calling on him to, to be merciful to me. Go to Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. Now, Micah is before the book of Nahum. Nobody caught that joke. <laughs> Where's Nahum, right? <laughs> Sorry. Come on, we got to lighten up, right? You know? <laughs> 
Micah chapter 7, sorry, I'm, I'm, hey, coffee's starting to kick in, it's okay. Micah 7, it's okay to be lighthearted, right? It's okay to laugh, that's what we need sometimes, you know? We need joy, right? Person who's in distress doesn't want to stress out more, they want to be relieved of that distress, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Micah 7, verse 18. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. That's, um, that is the idea of mercy, is unchanging love. He will have, oh, I'm sorry, verse 19. He will again have compassion on us, or rather, compassion. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins to the depths of the sea. It goes on from there. The compassion aspect. God recognizes that we, are, we live in a fallen world and we face all kinds of stress. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he's the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Go to, um, go to Isaiah. I'm just going to... Pick out some verses here before we get started on the characteristics of the gift of mercy. Isaiah 55. God is a merciful God. He understands our distress. He understands the pressures we face. And he has compassion on us. Isaiah 55 and verse... Seven. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will pardon abundantly. This is talking about God's relieving of the pressure of sin. The psalmist says that he is abundant in mercy to all those who call upon him. So sometimes we face distress. We, we face distress in life and we, don't, and we stress out. Have you guys ever stressed out and then you kind of get off, you go off the rails, right? Right? And your wife says, you need to go on vacation alone, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, you need a day away, right? You're stressed out. And sometimes you do and say things when you're stressed because you just need, you know how it is when you're, when, when, when listen, Joshua are young and they were, they were babies, you recognize when they need to be fed, changed, or they need a nap, Right? And God recognizes sometimes when we need those naps, so to speak, and he says, okay, now you need a break. You need something to relieve you of that stress. Okay. Now, go to, back to Romans. Um, I'm sorry. Do I want to go to Romans yet? Okay, now let's, go, let's keep going. I want to still leave. God shows mercy to us through Christ and salvation, of course, by relieving the stress of sin. Um, he saves us not according to our good works, but according to his mercy and kindness. Okay, now go back to Romans 12. Now, now let's ask the question, what is the gift of mercy? The person who has a gift of mercy, what are they like? Well, they're like Jesus. Let's just put it that way. All these people are like Jesus, but this one's like Jesus too. Romans chapter 12, he says, the one who shows mercy with with." With what? With what? Cheerfulness. The word for cheerfulness is hilarity. It's, it, we get hilarious from it. Okay, show compassion 
with hilarity, with joyfulness, with a smile. Um, sometimes that's all it takes is really is the, is the joy. If, if, you, if God has made you a, a compassionate person and you come into a situation where somebody's stressed out and you just, you just, start, you just smile with joy and you, and you crack jokes with them and you can smile and you, you relieve their stress, okay? Do it with cheerfulness. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Okay, so in Romans, he says, show, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The word for mercy there is elao, and it means to show mercy or to show compassion to someone who's in distress, and it's this. It means this. It means to show compassion. It's more than just having a sympathetic feeling. It's more than just a feeling. See, it's one thing where somebody says, oh, I have compassion on that person. I feel sorry for them, you know? Oh, I just, feel, I just feel a movement in my heart, right? That's one aspect of the gift of mercy or the word for mercy. But it's not just a compassion that that person feels. It's a compassion that's acted upon. The one with the gift of mercy wants to act upon that compassion. He or she does something about that. Does that make sense? It's compassion and action. That's the only thing I say you want to write down, compassion and action. Mercy is compassion and action. Okay, I, I, I'm married to someone that has a strong gift of mercy. She doesn't realize that, but she, has, she fits the bill for mercy. She also fits the bill for profit as well, so figure that out. You, know? <laughs> you, you do, yeah, you do. But you're more mercy, more mercy. Okay, the one who has the gift of mercy um, desires to relieve somebody's distress in one shape or form. They're the ones who want to visit. They're the first ones that will call you at the hospital. They're the ones who want to visit you in the hospital, and they'll check on your progress. How are you doing? I've been thinking about you. They're the ones who practically go and visit the nursing homes. They, they want to be there with somebody. Jesus actually uses this word to, uh, in Matthew 6 when he says, So when you give to the poor, it's the same idea, giving to the poor, relieving their distress. Person sees somebody who's poor, he responds with trying to relieve their distress. Uh, I think Tim alluded to this uh, in Matthew 9. He's, Jesus says, I desire compassion and not sacrifice. Compassion with another person. Okay. A um, couple characteristics of the gift of mercy. The gift of mercy has the capacity to show love. That's their greatest ability. They have, this, they have this thing about knowing to show love, okay? They know how to show people feel loved by this person. They're the person that you go to because you feel safe with them, and they show you love and kindness and acceptance. That's the gift of mercy. They're usually a, uh, they're usually a joyful person. The person with the gift of mercy is usually jo- very joyful and very positive, there's no more for me? Here you go, son. person with the gift of mercy is a happy person, is a joyful person. They're a positive person. They have a ray of sunshine. Everywhere they go is sunshine to them. That's why I tell my wife, I, or I want, am I embarrassing you? Stop. Just stop already. You're embarrassing me. No. I think, because I see it, as I'm studying this, I'm like, yeah, Sharon, 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 Sharon. Now I understand because she's so sensitive to people's needs. The person with the gift of mercy 
is, is eager to show love and is compassionate and understands people's feelings. They have this radar about them. They just pick up on, on the general tone of somebody and what somebody's feel, feeling, and they understand. In fact, they almost want to be preemptive of what they say or do because they can understand and calculate what they would do with that person's feelings. Does that make sense? Like, I wouldn't think that way. They'll say, well, we shouldn't do this, or we should do this, because if you do this, then they'll feel this way, but if you don't do it, they'll feel this way, and that would really crush me if they felt this way. They so understand and intuitively know by God how a person reacts, and they so don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's the gift of mercy. In fact, they're so motivated, um, the gift of mercy is so motivated, when they see somebody who's in distress, they, they're, they're, they're sensitive to relationships as well. They don't want to do anything that jeopardizes relationships, whether within marriage or between friends or, some, or, or between two people. So they'll, they'll want to protect that because they're so sensitive to the feelings of others. They want to protect that. So they'll watch what they do and say. The person with the gift of mercy Person with the gift of mercy. Okay, I'm married to mercy, so I have to be careful what I say. And and from from a non-mercy standpoint, let's just put. I'll just stand over here. From a non-mercy standpoint, you're too sensitive, right? And so you would do or say something that you think is normal and it hurts them because they're so sensitive to all the dynamics of relationships to, a, to, a, to, a, to such an extent. <clears throat> the scripture that says, a bruised reed he will not break, that's about Jesus being merciful. That's a prophecy about Jesus, of how sensitive he is. He's so sensitive to... to not just to feelings, but the conditions of the soul. Person with the gift of mercy has a sensitivity to the person's to their spirit. We don't always recognize when you look at somebody's face, you don't always know the distress they're under. You don't know the weight, and some of us some of us carry some significant weight. Some of us right now are carrying some weight that you would not want to tell anyone. God knows it and nobody else knows it. And your face doesn't show it because you're good at hiding it. But you're under such extreme weight that you're just, you're just feeling the pressure every day. And it's so heavy on you. And sometimes God sends somebody with a gift of mercy to befriend you. And you, you feel welcomed by that person. You feel safe. Usually gift of mercies are safe to talk to some people aren't safe to talk to because they're quick to speak and slow to hear. Some of us, we want to just judge you right off the bat and say, listen, sister, your problem is this. If you just memorize these 15 scriptures and do what I tell you to do, then your problems will be fixed, right? And we treat the word of God like it's a used card salesman. I mean, I've been guilty of that. 
The ones who have gift of mercy, who truly understand, they're the ones who just listen. They're the girlfriend you call up. That you call because you know that person is just going to listen. They're not going to judge you. They're just going to listen and they're just going to pray. And they're going to say, I'm so sorry. I have no idea what you're going through. For some of us, teacher and me wants to fix your problem, right? But sometimes you don't need that fix. Sometimes you need a friend just to talk to. And the gift of mercy is the one you talk to because you feel safe. Because you, you recognize that this person loves me no matter what. He's not going to preach at me. not going to judge me. And then we'll say this, I don't understand what you're going through. Because we truly do not. It's easy to look at somebody else and say, I got the person figured out. What they need is X, Y, and Z. And if they just listen to my thing and you listen to these tapes and read these books and just, their problems will be solved. Really? Really? You got the answer to the world piece, don't you? Okay? Why don't you run for president? You know? No. The gift of mercy is the one who listens. The gift of mercy, it says... I'm just a sounding board. I am so sorry what you're going through, and I have no idea what that must be like. You're safe around them. They're the friends of Job before Job's friends spoke. You know Job's friend, right? He went through, you know what? And those friends, those three friends, were fantastic while they sat there and said nothing. Sometimes that's the best thing you can do. Just be a sounding board, just just listen, let the person get off their chest. And they had no idea that things were going on in the heavenly realms between God and Satan. God saying, this is my servant Job, and Satan's like, well, uh, you know, you know the story. They were merciful at that time because they were quiet. In fact, if I think about my constant class in seminary, I I think I had all classes in seminary, the best, the best, thing I would learn from that class is how to listen. How to listen. Like that was like the one book we had to read is being a listener. Because the gift of mercy, sometimes all the person needs is a sounding board. Does that make sense? If you have the gift of mercy, you are careful with what you say and do because you don't want to hurt others. You're also a deeply loyal, loyal friend. I keep looking at Sharon because she's like, she has friends that back from you're deeply a loyal friend because you're sensitive to relationships. <clears throat> it's funny. Um, no, I won't say that. One who has a gift of mercy has wants to. Um, understand hurting people and wants to help them. And let me, let me put it this way. Sometimes the gift of mercy is so sensitive to other people's feelings and hurts that it almost inhibits them. It's, things have to take time with them. Does that make sense? Um, they're very patient, you know. So let's look at a few scriptures just for example for, for this, the life of Christ about this gift being displayed in Jesus. There's three examples I'm thinking of. One is in Matthew 9. I want you to go to Matthew 9 just to see some examples. Matthew 9.
Matthew 9 and uh, verse 27, it says, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind man came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done for you according to your faith. Here's the scene. I mean, if you're blind, now think about this. If you're blind, and Jesus, the Son of God, is coming your way, there's another story of blind Barrett and Bartimaeus, but these, these two, you're blind, and Jesus is coming your way. And you cry out, Lord, have mercy on us, or have mercy on us, son of David. How desperate are you for sight? Come on. You're pretty, de- you're pretty desperate. We know that you know Jesus the Messiah. You've heard stories of him healing people, right, and setting people free and all this kind of stuff. And he's walking by, and you hear it. You're going to cry out, son of David, have mercy on us, right? You're going to be like, this is my, this is it, Right? I think it's interesting the Lord's question to them, though. <laughs> do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. Do you believe that God is able to relieve the pressure you're under right now? Do you believe that he's, he's able to relieve the stress that you're under right now? See, sometimes we get so, com- so comfortable in our distress or so comfortable in the way we're handling things that we don't think there's any way out. We think that we figured out how to manage it rather than, than allow the Lord take it. Does that make sense? I don't know about you, but if you learn how to manage the distress, that's one thing. But if the Lord says, I want to take it from you, that's another thing. Right? What does Jesus say? Hey, come to me all who are, who are weary and heavy laden. Right? Heavy laden is a picture of somebody who's under distress, right? You're carrying a weight. You say, Lord, I can't carry this weight anymore. Okay? I know what it's like. I feel the stress, dude. Do that, dude, okay? Full-time job, two kids, stuff with, you know, kids are going through stuff at school, and, you know, and music and all that other stuff. With marriage, pro- you know, not problems, marriage, you know, and all that kind of stuff. The stress, right? And then church, and then it's like a cycle. You feel like you're on this thing. Like that, right? You're in this rat race, you know? You just, you're, just, you're just managing. You're just managing, you know? And you're like... Lord, where's the time? And you feel it. You're just like, Lord, have mercy on me, right? And it brings you to your knees. And then sometimes you mishandle it. Sometimes you lash out your husband, right? Or you lash out your wife. I'm not saying you guys do that. But sometimes it happens, right? Or you get impatient. Or you just, and, you, and you're like, I need time away. Or I need to stay up. So you stay up till 12 o'clock at night because that's the only time you have a break, you know? Because then the kids have to get up at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock in the morning and go to school. That's another distress, Right? So it keeps going and going, go to work, and then, of course, they throw you things at work that you didn't expect. The boss says, well, I got this project for you, and I have this thing for you. Oh, by the way, you're going to add this to your schedule, right? And John, where is this thing? Where is that thing? You get text messages and Facebook messages and all. It's like, where is this? Where is that? Like, and you feel like you're being pulled in all kinds of directions, right? You're feeling distress. Am I talking to anybody tonight, or is this, or is this, <laughs> is it just me? Is this, is it just my life? Lord, have mercy. Lord, have, Lord, only, here's the thing, here's the thing is, 
the Lord is, he says, come to me, right? Jesus, he says, come to me. And let me take your burdens. Let me do the worrying. Yes, it doesn't mean that God prevents you from facing troubles and trials and tribulations. It doesn't mean that God's going to make it all. I wish, he, I wish there was a button he would, he would press and say, oh, man, we're on the beach, on the hammock. Oh, no worries. Kids are taken care of. Right? Come on. We want that. It ain't happening. So what does he do? You, what you entrust to God, he can handle. And sometimes we're trying to handle God-sized problems that he spo- he's designed to handle, not us. And we are feeling it. And Jesus says, do you think I'm, I, am I able to do this? Yes, Lord. So here's what happens. When you give it to God... And his mercy, you say, Lord, help me in my distress. He gives you the strength, but you have to leave it with him. That means if, now Michelle, let's pretend that, that I'm piggyback, you're, I'm carrying you on my back, right? Let's pretend, let's just pretend, because I'm not going to do this to you or just my, do this to me, okay? Because that would be embarrassing, because you'll make me fall to my knees, you know? So let's pretend I'm carrying Michelle, and I'm trying to bear her, and, and, she, and she's bearing other people on her, and I'm like, Lord... Here, you take her. When I walk away, when I give my stuff to God and say, Lord, I'm going to just entrust you with that. I'm going to entrust you to carry that. You walk away. Am I going to do this? Okay, okay, Lord, here's Michelle. Okay, now let's go, Michelle. I just gave it to the Lord. No, you're not going to do that. But some of us do that, don't we? We give it to God, and then we take it back from God and walk away and say, it's my cross to bear. To trust God means to entrust him with it. He's mercifully, he recognizes that we are sheep. Go to Matthew 15. Go to Matthew 15. Another example. Matthew 15, verse 21, Jesus, Matthew 15, 21, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon, that's in modern day Lebanon actually, it was called Phoenicia at that time, and a Canaanite woman from that region came out, came out and began to cry out saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Now, that's a situation when your daughter is cruelly demon-possessed where you recognize, now, I can't handle that, right? There's not, okay, there's some problems that you can, you can have and you can handle. Then there's some problems you're like, this is beyond me, Lord. This is in the realm that I cannot see and I have no control of and, I, and these are powers that I cannot face. That's where you get, that's where it's like, okay, Lord, I need some help. And memorizing a scripture here and there is not going to help me, Lord. You're going to have to do something in the supernatural realm to do something to the situation. And you come up to God and you say, Lord, I'm facing something that's so difficult, it's hard. I can't put my finger on it. What do you do? How do you fight a force that you can't see? So here's this woman whose daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Look what happens. Verse 23. What does Jesus do? He doesn't answer her. 
<laughs> but he did not answer her. And then his disciples came and implored him, hey, send, send her away. She keeps shining at us. Here's a woman who is now she's desperate. Okay, she means business with the Lord. Lord, now I'm facing some serious things here, Lord, and I need you to, can you, and like, send her away. Just keep her away. Just, she's bugging us, right? And she, what does she do next? She keeps shouting all the more, right? This is one woman who's under severe distress. Her daughter's under severe distress. No one can help her but the Lord. And even with the answer, with not even hearing an answer, she's still determined to bring it to the Lord. She needs mercy. She, needs, she recognizes only the Lord can deal with this. Verse 24, but he answered and said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and said, and bowed down to the Lord before him and said, Lord, please help me. And he answered, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which, from watch, which fall from their master's table. I love this because the Lord is totally testing her and she, he recognizes her faith and she goes, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get some crumbs. And what does he say? O woman, great is your faith. It shall be done according to you as you wish. But here's my point. Here's, she's crying out for mercy, and she's not taking no for an answer. She recognizes that she's in distress, and the Lord, she's coming to the Lord for that, for relief. There's other examples, of course, I can turn to. Um, in Mark chapter 5 is the last example. Um, I'm sorry. Well, there's a lot of examples, actually. Mark 5, one more thing, one more thing. Mark 5, and then we'll then I'll wrap it up here. Mark 5. There's several, lots of examples of Jesus showing mercy. In Mark 5, there's a man who is possessed by a thousand demons. Mark chapter 5. And of course... Uh, he was given up on by society. Look at verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea and into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. Because he had often been bound in shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken to pieces, and no one was strong enough to Enough to sue him. Okay, there are some things that we face in life that man cannot help. There's medicines, there's psychiatry, there's counseling, and there's some things that only the work and move of God can help. This man was an example of that. And, and sometimes we feel like that. We're like, okay, Lord, this is something you're going to have to deal with. And he can deal with it. Constantly, day and night, verse 5, he was screaming among the tombs and then the mountains and gashing himself with stones. And seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran him up and bowed down to him and shouting with a loud voice, What business do we have to do with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Now, of course, that's the demon speaking. I implore you by God, do not torment him. He's scared of Jesus. These demons are petrified. You know that. For he had been saying, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? He said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he implored him to send him out of the country, and he sent him to the herd of swine. 
Skip on down, verse 15. After the man was set free, they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, that, and they became frightened. So here's the thing. This man was demon-possessed by a thousand demons. He was given up for dead. No one could subdue, and now he's sitting in his right frame of mind, and they're scared. What kind of power just did this? Do you believe that God is able to relieve your distress, able to show mercy to you, able to, to lift the burden that you're carrying? Are you, do you believe that? Oh, come on. I mean, if, these aren't just stories. These are actual accounts. This happened on earth at a GPS coordinate. You know that. I've actually been to this place in, in Israel. I've been, I've, you can see the, 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 the steepness of the, the cliffs where they would have run, run down. This actually happened, okay? Maybe you can ask Siri, you know, for your directions there. Can you take me to the place? It actually happened. Because the power of God is greater than the power of the devil. Okay, you, know, you guys know that. But look what it says here. That this man was, who had been demon-possessed in 15, sitting down, clothed in his right mind, and those who had seen it described to him, uh, described what had happened, basically. And they got afraid. They said, please leave us. Now look what happens with this man, verse 18. And he was getting into the boat, and the man had, who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. I'm, Come on, you just got set free by a thousand demons. You're like, hey, can I go with you, Lord? And look what Jesus says to him. He says, the Lord said, no, no, no. He did not let him, but he said, go home to your people and report and to tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, how he had what? And mercy on you. Okay. He has relieved you of the significant distress. Okay. The one who has compassion, who has a gift of mercy, they want to they help somebody with their distress. Now, they might not be able to set free people of demons, okay? But they come in the name of Jesus to relieve somebody's distress. And they come, they say, Lord, Lord use me. I want to befriend somebody. I want to help them with their, their weight they're carrying. Let me help them with their weight. It may be something practical, you know. Let me visit them in the hospital and bring them cheer. Let me, let me give them, give them some, uh, some flowers. Something to lift their spirits. Compassion and action is really what gift of mercy is all about. And they're like Jesus. Does that make sense? I want to do is, is, is have a time of prayer because if anyone's feeling distressed tonight, we want to give that to God. And we want to bear each other's needs and, bur- and burdens in the house of God. Now, you don't have to, I don't know, you don't have to, listen, we don't have to, um, I, face, I face things in my life that I can't tell anybody, Right? I, I face, we all face things, right, that we're carrying. And we have a Lord that wants to help us out with that. And those of us, maybe there's people who give to mercy, who are sensitive to that, who understand the point may not be to solve a person's problems. The point may be just to be with that person during that season in their life, you know. And for some reason, the Lord, you know, has, uh, has ordained that to happen, but you just want to be with that person, 
We want to be a church that, where people can feel safe, where people can feel like they're loved and they can feel accepted. And no matter what, listen to me, no matter what, we want to be a, a church that has a listening ear because you and I don't know. I, we don't know the depths of the issues that people face and the burdens they're carrying. And sometimes when somebody's irritable, it's because they're carrying a heavy burden and they're starting to crack. And, and we see each other maybe once a week and I have no idea of what you're carrying. But we want to be ones that, that lift those knees to the Lord and bear each other's burdens. So <clears throat> let's do this. I know we have a song, so we, want, we can either do the song and then end in prayer. I like to end in prayer. I really want to end in prayer. So let's have a song. And as you're singing, let's, let's think about how those issues or things that, that are maybe weighing on you and prepare yourself in having a time of a prayer to the Lord, okay? Because we want to give it to the Lord. We really do. And allow Him and ask Him to take that. And these guys re- relieve a stress to me because I can't sing or play an instrument.